Before we get started, before any of this starts, I'd like to remind you that you can experience an ad-free version of this by clicking the link in the description that says plus.acast.com slash s slash Radio Free Catholic. May God bless you and the Virgin protect you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Exurgat Deus et dissipentur inimici eius. Et fugiancio derunteum a face eius. Let God arise, and let his enemies be scattered. Let all those who hate him flee from before his face. <sighs> Sometimes you got to take a break from some of the more dark topics to talk about. And given the fact that the way has been paved for me to talk about something a little less, you know, droll, a lot less banal and um, significantly less malevolent, I figured, I figured we'd, we'll go ahead and let this episode be inspired by the conversion to traditional Catholicism by Shia LaBeouf, whom, I gotta be perfectly honest with you, one of my favorite things about him is his last, his last name is French for the beef. So the beef, did an interview with Beefcake Bishop Robert Barron, and I've only seen a couple of clips, but there were some parallels that were drawn, and I want to give a hat tip to the rundown because we're talking about it, and I haven't even had a chance to actually sit down and watch the video myself. Uh, but there were some things uh, during the during the discourse in the rundown that kind of reminded me of some of my favorite things about some of the most despised people. And when I say despise people, well, when you see, when you hear the list and we're talking about it on the other side of the prayer, you'll understand. This is Caleb the Mechanic with Radio Free Catholic. Let's get started with a prayer. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Sancta Michael Arcangela, defende nos in proelio. Contra nequitiam et insidias diabolias do praestidium. Imperatili Deus supplicis de precamur, duque princeps militae calestis, satana maliosque spiritus malignos que ad perditionem animarum, pervegantur in mundo divina virtute, in infernum netrude. Amen. Cor Jesus sacratissimum miserere nobis, mater dolorosa, ora pro nobis. Beatis Carolus et domo Austriae, ora pro nobis. Domine, ostende facem tuum et salvi erimus, Ave Maria Purissima, Immaculata Conceptio Est, in nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen.
<laughs> All right, so this would be the point if I was a YouTuber where I would say like, share, and subscribe. And this is one of the things that makes me really happy about being a podcaster is I don't have to worry about that. And I don't have to worry about sponsors because I'm a small podcast, so I don't have to worry about advertisements. The only thing I have to remember to do is remind you guys to occasion, occasionally remember to say something like, hey, swing on over to the website, RadioFreeCatholic.com, and, you know, subscribe. Possibly swing over to the, over to ACAST and, you know, consider feeding the raccoons by chipping in a dollar a month. That'll get you, if you happen to be listening to the form of Spotify that where, you know, the ads from the podcast hosting platform actually play, or some of the other podcast uh, platforms, this will actually eliminate those ads, which is kind of nice because apparently, as I understand it, those ads get pretty obnoxious, particularly in the month of June. Um, now that I've done all that shameless self-promotion, <laughs> let's actually talk about what we were thinking about talking about today. So, on the off chance you happen to be living under a rock or you are simply doing the good Catholic thing and staying the heck off of social media, then you might not know that Shia LaBeouf recently converted to, uh, well, I should say actually reverted to Catholicism but actually became a traditional Catholic um, with the help of one Mel Gibson. And of course, Mel Gibson has been, you know, making, he has made the rounds a few times in the traditional Catholic world, uh, which is absolutely magnificent. And it's funny because I know at one point Shia LaBeouf was one of the less liked actors in Hollywood because he was such a loose cannon. And I kind of find it a little bit entertaining. On the one hand, like, well, there's some ridiculousness that comes with being young, particularly if you're in, if you're someplace godless, like Hollywood or, you know, the military or government or, um, you know, Earth these days. The, <clears throat> and there's a certain... There's a certain pattern of conduct that is very quintessentially boy, okay? And the people, the people I enjoy watching develop the most are the ones who sort of embody that. Um, one of my guilty pleasures when I'm looking for nothing to do is there's a particular uh, channel from uh, Australia, there's an Australian YouTube channel called How Ridiculous. And all they do is they throw stuff really far distances and they break stuff and they do stuff that is very, very typical of youthful masculinity. Um, you know, they just do fun stuff that looks cool. That's it. Um, they, you know, subsequently, you know, they're, they're not shy about the fact that they're Christians. I don't know if they're Protestant Christians or, you know, a member of the Anglican or whatever. I don't know, like, where in Christianity they fall. But part of what they do with the, with the proceeds from their channel and from their merch is they also support a lot of charities and they and they do a lot of uh, charitable works given the fact that they have a pretty decent platform. The the same thing actually goes true for some of the more renegades. Okay, so about five ish years ago, a little bit more than five years ago, Justin Bieber got himself in some trouble. And it's funny because the arrest report, 
I think it was the arrest report. Anyway, the police report that had to do with his um, receiving a DUI in Miami um, had the discourse between him and the officer. And the discourse endeared him to me permanently. Permanently. Let me explain. So, Justin Bieber, he's been, you know, a superstar since, what, the age of 12? I mean, like, just a ridiculous, ridiculously famous young man. Um, very talented. I'm not, a, I'm not a particular fan of the type of music, but there's an aesthetic to the way his performances go and all that. And like they used to poke fun at, it's him and a bunch of other of the young pop stars and stuff like that. They used to poke fun at because, you know, they didn't really know how to perform and this, that, and the other. Um, I remember somebody mentioning, I think, uh, I forgot who, I forgot who it was, but they made mention of the fact that he looked like Elmo from Sesame Street on stage. Um, now that's not particularly important. But when you consider the fact that someone like Justin Bieber has been famous since he was like 12 years old, um, his relationship with his father's eh, maybe not the best. Um, you know, his family, eh, I mean, they let, it, they let him become a child star. So I th honestly, I think that pretty much ought to tell you everything that you need to know. You know, it's up there with like Britney Spears and all of the drama that, that she went through. Um, but... Bieber endeared himself to me with the with the discourse with a police officer who was trying to arrest him for for uh, road racing through downtown Miami. All right, now <clears throat> Bieber asks the police officer. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for the long pause there. I had to remember the way the discourse went. Bieber asks the police officer, "What were you doing when you were my age?" The police officer, in his very um, sort of prudish, sort of Protestant kind of puritanical way, goes, well, I wasn't racing, street racing through downtown Miami in a Lamborghini. To which Bieber responds, that's because you didn't have millions of dollars in the bank. Classic and priceless. I will never forget this, this interchange because of that. Because the cop completely forgot that once upon a time, he was a young man. Part of the reason he became a cop, it may not have been like the big part, like he might have actually protect and serve and they said, you know, deadly do right with the badge, but not an insignificant part of him became a cop specifically so that he could slam his foot on the accelerator of a very powerful automobile and go zooming down the street. Now, for him, obviously being a police officer is to go catch criminals and this, that, and the other. But the fact remains is that there's not a small part. If you're a red-blooded American man, there is no way you get the opportunity to just put your pedal to the metal, put the pedal to the metal and zoom off into the distance and you're not taking it. And Bieber knew this on some level. And he just asked, what were you doing when you were my age? The cop, had he had any sense of self-awareness, would have understood that when I was 19 years old, thus and so.
So because the statute of limitations for me are way, way gone, let me tell you what I was doing at 19 years old. At 19 years old, no, I did not have millions of dollars in the bank, so I did not have a Lamborghini. What I had was a Toyota Tacoma with a 22RE, Toyota's Baja performance racing engine under the hood of my car. Not a very powerful engine per se, but for my little, very, very lightweight, itty bitty little pickup truck, it did not take a tremendous amount of modification to make that joker run like a mashed cat. And I did. Often. I eventually grew up a bit, not much, and got better cars, faster cars, higher performing cars, cars that would actually catch you by surprise here and there. 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25. I mean, I was still driving ridiculously fast all the way through those years. One of my best friends, um, shortly after uh, shortly after I had been married, secular-wise, by the way, um, really wish I would have done that in the church. I really wish things would have turned out differently we were still married. <clears throat> but, you know, things are what they are. The Shortly after we were married, one of my best friends gets in a drag race. Now, he's in a Mitsubishi. The other guy's in a Mitsubishi. We're following along. We're, we were supposed to be following along because it was supposed to be a get together at the house. And they go peeling out of the they go peeling out of the park parking lot and zooming down the uh, the by the uh, the highway. It was a state highway, and I mean they're blistering their way down. Now I'd never because my my best friend had, he had actually just moved into a new place. I had no idea where this was. I mean like whole big whole big long litany of things where I'm sitting there and I'm going. Bro, we were supposed to follow you, so this way we could find, you know, we find the place and we all get together and this, that, and the other, and you just took off. All right. Well, a few months prior, I bought a decommissioned police interceptor, which is what we were leaving, which is what we were leaving the location. We were leaving, we were leaving and heading over, and we were, and we were driving in this decommissioned police interceptor. So I did what was reasonable. In my mind, I went after him. And I can tell you that the performance of a police interceptor is far better than the performance of your average, even your nice little sport, you know, your zippy little sports car. It's far better. They hold, they hold the road better. They're much... Uh, it's a man's car. It's got the weight, it's got the balance, it's got the power. Well, they're zooming off, and I'm going after them. These morons decide that they're both going to make the right turn to, to turn onto the bypass, and so they both power slide through, through the intersection. And as they're power sliding through the intersection, mind you, it's 2 o'clock in the morning, a local Smokey is coming up the road, coming the other way. Well, he sees them, sees that reckless driving, turns on the lights. Well, about a quarter of a second later, I 
in my police in my decommissioned police interceptor go power sliding around the corner and he turned off the lights why because he figured somebody else had it and that somebody unbeknownst to him was not a cop <laughs> i pull up behind my buddy I flash my beams because I flash my high beams because I'm like, "Yo, dude, come on, what are you doing?" Which is what my which is what my intended signal was. Well, the other guy looks in his rearview mirror, sees a white police car with flashing lights, and slams on the brakes. And I mean, slams on the brakes. I passed like he managed to decelerate so much that the shock wave of his deceleration shook my car as I passed him. Now, usually at that point, you kind of look at one of those, like, if I, if I were a cop, I pull over and I get him because he stopped. Why not? <laughs> Just make it easy. <clears throat> I pull up alongside my buddy my, and I roll down the window because at this point I'm telling him, I'm trying to communicate to him that he is being dumb. And then he decides he wants to race me. And at that point, I just blew his doors off. I knew the general vicinity of where we were supposed to be at. I just didn't know precisely where in the neighborhood. It was going to take a little bit of navigating once we got there. But I knew how to get, I knew what the most likely location was he had to enter the neighborhood from. And so I just, and so I proceeded to just rip his doors off and go. Which surprised the heck out of him because when I decided to leave him behind, I think we were doing 120. Anyway, and that was me at 24, 25 years old. It's about 20 years ago. <clears throat> Fast forward to 20, I think it was 2013, 2014, 2015, somewhere in there, and, Beeb, and Biebs gets his DUI. And I think it's hilarious. I think it's absolutely hilarious. Here's a young man who acknowledges that he hasn't grown up yet, that most people don't grow up by the, by his age, and he's just living it. As a result, he endeared himself to me permanently. There is, I don't listen to his music. I don't particularly like his music. But I will always kind of keep an eye on him, and, I, and he's always got kind of a special spot in my prayers and hopes that he'll convert and be saved and the whole nine yards. Because, to be fair, someone who manages to embody what I would call the, the zeitgeist of the young man, the young man, is worth keeping an eye on. And it was similar with Shia LaBeouf. With Shia, Shia LaBeouf went through, you know, he, he was a young star. He was a child star, basically. Um, I think he was, what, 14, maybe 15 years old when he starred in the movie Constantine opposite Keanu Reeves. Um, and was and it was pretty much, you know, up up from there, big shining, Transformers, this, that, and the other. You know, he's, he's, he's talented. He's actually kind of entertaining. He's entertaining to watch in conversation. Like, I mean, you know... <clears throat> And then he kind of, I don't know, it's weird. Because he got a bad reputation doing the Transformers movies from the production staff and, and the director, Michael Bay, 
who simultaneously also got lambasted by what's her name, uh, Megan Fox, as being just like harsh, mean, and, and just generally crappy at his job. And so it's really difficult on what side I, on what side of the balance I would fall on there. But I would, but I never begrudged him any of the antics because he's rich, he's famous, he ha- and he has tr- tremendously insufficient adult supervision or spiritual, spiritual, mental, psychological formation. And so when I see those sort of behaviors, it is sort of the boys will be boys meme, but it's one of those where you look and you go, if you were, if you were not properly catechized as, as a youth, Chance you have a very high likelihood that at some point you participated, particularly if you're a man, at some point you participated in those type of shenanigans. Now, maybe you didn't have the money. Maybe you didn't have the influence to be able to get caught up in some of those shenanigans and have your business be blasted across the, the earth. But the fact is, is every one of us who allowed ourselves to sort of slide into a degenerate lifestyle... We slid into that ge- degenerate lifestyle because we were men and we were going to have fun and we weren't going to bother suffering. We were just going to do whatever seemed fun at the time. I don't begrudge people who do these things. And I certainly, and obviously, I don't begrudge people who don't. You know, I'm actu- I am absolutely in awe of the people who manage to live their life according to the tenets of the faith. Because I know that I could gripe about having not ever been given the proper chance. Part of that would be a lie. But the fact is, you're talking about a heroic way of life that most of us don't even really understand is being particularly heroic. So I also look at the young, at the, at the, at the young men, particularly the young men that are, are acting out as men. So, and I say that with this particular caveat in mind. So, Ezra Miller, the star of The Flash, you know, made it, you know, made it in Hollywood and this, that, and the other, and has gone nuts. Throwing chairs at women, uh, you know, choking out some chick in a freaking store. No bueno. This is not the kind of fun and shenanigans we're talking about. The kind of fun and shenanigans I'm talking about is jumping off an 80-foot cliff into the water just to see if you can. The kind of fun and shenanigans I'm talking about is getting into street races and friendly competition and those sort of things. Maybe doing things that are dangerous, but that are principally dangerous and challenging to oneself. The minute that you go out of your way to start doing nut job things to other people that hurt other people. Now, to be sure, don't get me wrong, I mean, drag racing, you know, street racing is dangerous, and there is a risk involved, not just to the people who are driving, but also to the people, to anybody who happens to be in the area. I got that. I got that. I understand. But the principal part of that risk actually goes to the drivers themselves. And then secondarily, Anybody who happens to be silly enough to not step away when you hear the sound of a high-revving automobile careening in your direction. I simply point that out to say that, you know, 
the guy acting recklessly is not the only one in the game. He's not the only one with a stake. He's not the only one. You know, if you happen to be if you happen to be on a street at two o'clock in the morning in a minivan with your four kids at two o'clock in the morning. Get you picking up what I'm putting down there? There are some choices you could have made differently as well. <clears throat> now, it's not to blame anybody. It's, it's not to blame anybody who's actually been in those type of wrecks and this, that, and the other. But the fact is, is if you're on the road at two o'clock in the morning, I mean, seriously, what are you doing on the road? What is anybody doing at two o'clock in the morning? Typically, nothing good. We all kind of know this. We all know it to be true. You know, <laughs> I mean, unless unless you happen to be awake at one or two o'clock in the morning for Prime, you know, before matins and louds. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. I'm just saying. Nobody ever asked the question, what is it exactly that you were doing on the road at 2 o'clock in the morning? I mean, everybody knows people get stupid and they, you know, do stupid things pretty much starting at 10 p.m. And then, actually, their penultimate stupid thing happens between the hours of 2 and 4 a.m. So, yeah, anyway. Anyway, I digress. If you haven't noticed, I'm a particularly merciless person when it comes to personal decisions. 
Because everybody wants to say, oh, they're the victim of this, that, and the other. And I ain't trying to hear that crap. There's one victim that I know of. One. Everybody else is caught up in that rolling, tossing, tumbling ball that is original sin. <clears throat> Anyhow. Back to Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> he went through some stuff. He realizes all of the fame, all of the money, all of the popularity. You know, they seem like really big things and you kind of would like, I mean, seriously, what, what is every generation for the last 50 years grown up thinking? Fame, fortune, power. It's been like the key thing. And Generation X, part of the reason why they are Generation X is because they realize that fame, fortune, and power are garbage. And that's why you never hear about them because a lot of a lot of them were just like, you know what? I'm just going to do whatever it is I'm going to do and I'm going to basically just walk away. We had one big hurrah. It was, you know, September 11th and the resulting wars. That was it. Everybody else? What else is Generation X known for? Well, Generation X, the bigger part of Generation X, went out and fought in foreign wars. The one that every, the part of Generation X everybody hears about. <clears throat> everybody else, what did they do? Oh, well, let's see. I mean, you got, well, you got the billionaire founder of Tesla. Um, you know, you got a couple billionaires here and there. Yeah, they all seem, well, one of them seems, one of them seems reasonably happy. And the rest of them, when you look at them, they all look like they're running from something. Zuckerberg looks like he's running from humanity. Dorsey looks like he's running from reality. I mean, seriously, look across at all the Gen X billionaires. The only one that even halfway has, seems to have his stuff straight, and I say halfway because let's be real, is Elon Musk. And I literally say halfway because some stuff he's got right and some stuff you just look and you're like, really, dude, that's where you're going? All right, guess we'll see where that goes. And it tends to work out for him, which I think is brilliant. <clears throat> but it's brilliant in that same—it's—it's it's brilliant in that same way as Justin Bieber sitting there talking to the cop. I so said, whatever it is he's doing, he's managing to pull it off. And I got to be honest, I'm praying for him because you know, there's something about some of the stuff that he said on social media that leads me to believe that he might actually be a baptized Catholic. You're like, what? Elon Musk, a baptized Catholic? No. Maybe. I mean, I don't know. Not about, I'm not about to get a chance to ask him. But I do remember him saying one time on Twitter, it seems to me that the, quoting now, it seems to me that the vast majority of humanity goes to hell. I mean, that's not taught in Protestantism, and it's not taught, like, it's not really taught in, in quote-unquote modern Christianity. It is taught in Catholicism, kind of low-key with the traditionalists, but it is taught in Catholicism that the vast majority of people choose hell. And he says, so it's, and he says in his tongue-in-cheek sort of twittery way, in the way that is actually quite common to many people of this day and age, 
So it doesn't seem to me like it would be all that bad to be there. Now, obviously, it's hell. <clears throat> obviously, you're listening to a traditional, you're you're listening to a Catholic po- to a to a Catholic podcaster on a pirate Catholic podcast. So obviously, I'm not going to, I really don't want to waste all that much time throwing in all the caveats to make sure that you know, oh yes, the Catholic pedigree. You want my Catholic pedigree, just look back at the last five or six podcasts where I've been telling you that hell is coming. You can go back further than that. I mean, we do, I do spend a lot of time talking about Catholic things. Today, we're just, we're trying to lighten it up a bit. Maybe not look at all of the dour news that seems to be coming out. But he seems, I mean, Musk, in that same sort of way, seems to kind of have his stuff somewhat together. I mean, yeah, okay, who names their kid X A E 12? All right, I got it. You know, apparently... <laughs> Apparently, the AE diphthong in some fantasy language is Ash, but it is, in fact, a diphthong. <clears throat> in fact, actually, if you were to spell it in mostly in, in, in a Greco Roman, it would be Chi 12. Well, Chi, Chi A 12, Chi A 12. Of course, the A-12 being the predecessor to the SR-71. It's actually where that comes from. You know, clever, clever, well thought out. Not a particular, I mean, certainly not the sort of name that rolls off the tongue. Well, Kaya-12 would, but, you know, X-Ash-12, yeah, no, maybe not so much. The... You know, and as I understand it, some of his other kids have even weirder names. Okay. Again, billionaire. With, I think his, I think his spouse is what? A model or something? I don't know. I don't know. Admittedly, I don't really follow, I don't, I don't follow pop culture lives too, too much. I just kind of watch some of the things that blip up. Oh, hey, I'm going to buy Twitter. Ah, maybe not. Oh, hey, it looks like I might, looks like I just backed myself into a quarter. I'm going to be forced to buy Twitter. All right, well, who knows? What did he find in, in that time? Well, he managed to air a lot of dirty laundry. And in truth, let's be real. He's been about as effective as the orange Superman, who revealed a lot of dirty stuff. Didn't really do anything about it, but he revealed a whole bunch of it and got, you know, managed to pull the scales away where you look and you go, oh, that's what's going on. They really do hate you. They really do hate me. Well, that's a revelation. I thought, you know, I thought they really meant all that sunshine and lollipops garbage. (laughs) Which actually, come to think about it, brings me to the orange Superman. One of my favorite things about him is the fact that he is pretty much a dude. He's a teetotaler, which I find odd. I mean, I don't drink a whole lot. 
I think I remember to go out and get some alcohol maybe once every two or three months. I don't drink a whole lot, but it's actually, but it has nothing to do with a conscious decision on my part. It's I'm usually looking for other stuff. You know, I live in the High Plains Desert. Beer is not the thing that pops into my head as something that's going to quench my thirst. Bourbon is not the thing that pops into my head as something that's going to quench my thirst when it's 100 degrees. So I don't drink a lot. But I'm in no way a teetotaler. So it's a little weird to me when, you know, I know of somebody, especially somebody as prominent, as rich, as famous, as Donald Trump, who despite all of his wealth, despite all of his riches, despite all of his fame, despite all, despite everything, all of the pressures that actually come along with that, he doesn't do coke, he doesn't do heroin, he doesn't do meth, he doesn't drink, he doesn't smoke weed, he eats fast food. That's pretty much it. Like, that's, that's his shtick. He eats fast food. What? That kind of person is actually incomprehensible to me. But the guy who can actually call a spade a spade and call somebody out on their, on their corrupt, wicked bullcrap... You know, maybe, maybe you let a few things slide. Does he cuss too much? Well, I mean, for a president, he cusses too much. But as a man, he's actually got a pretty clean mouth, considering. He's not afraid to make fun of himself. I always like it. People actually talk a lot of smack about how he'll occasionally refer to himself as Trump or as Donald Trump. Like he'll talk about himself in the third person. And nobody ever catches that when he's talk whenever he's talking about himself in the third person, it's usually to crack a joke at his own expense. I'd I'd never understood how people didn't understand that. Like it if you're <laughs> If you're going to talk about yourself in the third person, why not make it a joke? Which is something, you know, he does quite a bit. Now, do I trust him running the country? Well, who's the alternative? Aha! Oh, I trust him more than I trusted Bill Clinton. I trust him more than I trusted George W. Bush. I trust him more than I trusted Barack Obama. Oh, we can, uh, let's run this one. I trusted, I trust him more than I do Bush 41, Bush 43, Bill Clinton, Barack Obama, certainly, certainly more than the corpse in chief who's running us into the ground now. I do actually trust him more than Ronald Reagan, even though Ronald Reagan was pretty well likable and had a lot, you know, he had a lot of the same panache, not all of the same panache, but a lot of the same panache. He's better than, the orange man's better than Carter. Better than Nixon, better than Ford, light years better than LBJ, better than better than John F. Kennedy. Better than Roosevelt, Hoover, Eisenhower, Truman. Better than the other Roosevelt. Way better than Woodrow Wilson. 
That's not even like I don't even know how you. Those aren't even those. I I like Trump better than Rutherford B. Hayes, and I would argue to a certain degree I like him better than George Washington. Not to say that George Washington was a bad guy, but I feel like maybe he was just a little too intense. Because, you know, Protestant Puritans, white, white Anglo-Saxon Protestants, wasps, tend to be like that. For all of his foibles, Trump's not as debauched as Ben Franklin. Has more skills than John Adams and Sam Adams. Like, we can run down the list. There's a whole bunch of, there's a whole long list of American founders, founders and significant people. You know, I like him better than Grant. I like him better than Andrew Jackson. I like him better. I just like him better. I don't care how quick-witted some of these other cats might have been. I certainly like him better than Lincoln, because as time goes by, more stuff comes out about him, and you look and you go, maybe he wasn't the best guy ever. By the way, I started I started looking at Lincoln with the side eye when I found out that among the congressmen in his time, he billed Washington enough money for his travels to cover a round trip four times to and from his home in Illinois to Washington, D.C. Each time. He also had no self-control. I mean, when you hop down off the stage when you're when you're giving a stump speech and beat the and beat the ever-loving snot out of some dude who heckles you, I definitely would take Donald Trump's path forward over Abe, Abe Lincoln. Oh, good old Honest Abe. By the way, with a nickname like Honest Abe, let's be real. Anything but. It's up there with Trust Ted. Trust Ted Cruz. Yeah, how about no? It's only the people with the really guilty conscience tell you to trust him. <clears throat> so yes, I do like the orange Superman. And yes, I remember he's a New York Democrat. Oh yeah, he's a Republican right now, but he's a New York Democrat. He's a guy who's down to earth with the same guys who build his buildings. He's more comfortable with them. Why? Because they'll tell him right to his face he's a blowhard. They won't mince words about it either. They'll look at him and be like, all due respect, Mr. Trump, you're an F and F. And they'd be like, I like this guy. Because he tells it true. Cut his pay. (laughs) Anyway. So I look at Shia LaBeouf's conversion. Since that is actually what we were talking about before that huge digression. Bet you you almost forgot we were talking about Shia LaBeouf, didn't you? So I'm looking at Shia LaBeouf's conversion. And I'm listening to him talk... To, you know, Beefcake Robert Barron, the beef, you know, Shia the Beef, talking to Beefcake Bishop Barron. (laughs) 
And he manages to throw, you know, he manages to subtly throw some shade over at the Novus Ordo. You know, the guitar masses. The stuff that you've seen, if you've been paying attention to anything in social media, the stuff you've seen, you know, with the waving of the bubble wand and the, and, and the you know, the dancing in the aisles and the interpretive dance and the suspended 12-foot in diameter globe. And the generally anything... Anything that they can do. Oh, you know, the sit, the, the, the standing there clapping and singing badly. Celebrate good times, come on! By the way, if you didn't know that actually happened in a mass, that did actually happen in a mass. There's a supercut that actually goes back and forth between mainstream today's hymns in Catholic Church and then and it, but it goes back and forth between TV between TV theme songs and pop songs and it just cuts back and forth and you're like wow you tried to baptize pop music no wonder it's terrible <laughs> he tells Baron it doesn't feel like they're trying to sell me a car I'd say my biggest bone of contention with the Novus Ordo Missae. Not the Missae itself, because I could care less. I'm not a priest, I don't have to read the thing. My biggest bone of contention with the Novus Ordo is that priests in the Novus Ordo talk about the four last things and how it's how they talk about how we should meditate on the four last things but they don't talk about the four last things specifically so that we can meditate on them they talk about how we need to believe that god is in the eucharist but they don't talk about god being in the eucharist do you see the subtle difference there talk about how we need to understand, we need to meditate on, and we need to think about this, and we need to blah, 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 and blah, blah, mealy mouth, blah, blah. And then you compare that to priests like Father Isaac uh, uh, Relier, or Father Chad Ripperger, or Father Wolf. Well, they just straight tell you, look, you really don't know what you're doing, and it's about this. This is what you need to understand. St. Thomas said this. St. Boniface said this. St. Boniface went out and did this. And they were like, oh! Because how did an 83-year-old man chop down the Thunder Oak with one, with one swing of an axe? St. Patrick slayed the dragons in Ireland. And they tell the story. So that you can meditate on the story. So that you can carry forward the tradition. They explain in the traditional Latin Mass. They open it up. They peel it apart. And they dissect it. And they, sp and they splay it out in all of its gory detail. So that you can look at it and you go, Oh, that's why I need to do thus and so. And I should avoid thus and such. And, I, and, and, and maybe if I remembered this, I would stop doing that. But you go to a Novus Ordo Mass, and they talk about how you should meditate on the four last things. Well, what are the four last things, Father? 
Well, I mean, you need to meditate on them. Yeah, but what are they, Father? What does it mean? What is the beatific vision? Because they never tell you how to meditate on heaven. They never tell you about the beatific vision. They don't explain what the beatific vision is. They don't try to. Why? Because they can't comprehend it. Because they don't know themselves. Because they're not experiencing it when they're lifting up the host saying, Ecce Homo. They don't say Ecce Homo. I know that. But you know what I mean. They don't experience it in that one, in that version because they're not supposed to. Oh, well, we don't want to engage in the self-flagellation and repetition. Well, that's funny because self-flagellation and repetition reminds you, A, you're a worm, and reminds you again and again and again. Why is it good to say the confidior like 12 times during the Mass? Because it's good to remind yourself that you're a dirty, rotten sinner. For those of you who are like, oh man, they really say the Confidior 12 times in a mass? No, 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 we don't. But you get the point. Why do we beg for, why do we, why do we cry out to heaven for our Lord to have mercy nine times? Because let's be real. Lord have mercy, Christ have mercy, Lord have mercy is just not enough. It's just not enough. It's not really drumming it in. Certainly not to the degree of Kyrie eleison, Kyrie eleison, Kyrie eleison, Christe eleison, Christe eleison, Christe eleison, Kyrie eleison, Kyrie eleison, Kyrie eleison. It doesn't have the impact. And you need to have the impact because maybe you rolled into mass, maybe not feeling quite so well. Maybe you had a headache. You got cut off on the way. Some dude flipped you the bird or honked their horn. <clears throat> you got distracted when you were making a right-hand turn, almost got in a car accident because you were too busy ogling, you know, the teenage girl on the street. Something to remind you, I don't belong here. This is actually well above anything that's worthy of me. Any, anything that I'm worthy of. Got that backwards when I said it the first time. Oof. I don't actually have any business being here because I'm a worm and I belong in the dirt with the other worms. I, don't, I certainly don't belong at the threshold of the Holy of Holies when God is transcending down to earth. When he is replaying his own death on the cross. I say replaying, it's very obviously it's bad theology to use that word. <clears throat> when we are reenacting his death on the cross, when we are reenacting the sacrifice on Calvary, when he is saying once again, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. I don't deserve to be there. I deserve to be in the dirt with the rest of the worms. And it's a good thing to kind of remind people that that's exactly where, including the priest, it's good to remind people that that's exactly where they belong, is down there with the worms and not up in the Holy of Holies. And whether or not Shia LaBeouf can actually express those things, which clearly he can't, because you could tell that he was catching himself and he's trying to use, like he's trying to use the terminology that he would understand as he's explaining this, and he doesn't have the theological backing because what? He's been he's been a traditional Catholic for like what, fourteen hours? Maybe fifteen? But you can tell that that's what he's trying to communicate to this bishop 
who wrote literally wrote the book on Catholicism, as defective as it might be, who's trying to sort of edge him, and Shia LaBeouf did a really good job in, sh in staying away from some of the controversial stuff, while still taking time out to throw shade on the post-1960s hippy-dippy garbage that the Catholic Church has been, that, excuse me, that material Rome has been desperately trying to embrace in defiance of eternal Rome. Because he gets it. And I gotta be honest with you right now, after hearing, you know, a few small tidbits, I wanna get on the horn with Mel Gibson and find out where these hidden treasures of the church really are in California. Because you know, Bishop Beefcake would prefer to extinguish those treasures if at all possible. At this point, I kinda wanna know what Mel Gibson knows. I'd love to be able to pick his brain. Just for that reason alone. Mel, where do you find the TLM? How did you manage to show Shia LaBeouf the Institute of Christ the King? I mean, how awesome is that? <clears throat> we need to pray for him. We need to pray for him. He's not going to be a saint anytime soon. God willing, he actually gets a chance to live a full life. I mean, he can live as a saint, but I'm saying he's not going to he's not he's not getting elevated to the altar anytime soon. So pray for him. Cuz he seems significantly different. Like, he's still every bit as young and sort of noob-ish. noob, noob -ish. It's weird. The actual better word when you're using the word noob would have been nubile, but that doesn't mean the same thing at all. I mean, N-O-O-B, not N-U-B. N-O-O-B. You, you know, he's still kind of a noob to the whole thing. And I gotta be honest with you, listening to him talk reminds me of the fervor much, much earlier on in my, own faith, in my own faith walk when I first came back to the church. I was just like, nah, I don't think you understand. This is real. This is true. I wanted to stand up on, a, on the mountaintop and scream it out to everybody. This is true. The Catholic faith is true. Fortunately, I had some more time in meditation because I was in prison at the time. And... I gotta be honest with you, I'm really not all that great of an evangelist. I'm horrible at persuasion. I generally, actually, I take that back. I'm pretty good at persuasion by sarcasm, which I don't know, I really don't. <clears throat> Is there a patron saint of the sarcastic evangelist? God willing, maybe that'll be me one day. I don't know. <laughs> I doubt it, but, you know, whatever. The, um, but if, if there's a patron saint of sarcastic evangelism, I need to add him to my litany of saints. So if you happen to if you happen to know, let me know. 
You know, somebody along the lines of like St. Lawrence, patron, patron saint of can crack a joke, can crack a joke when I'm on fire. <clears throat> but yeah, I can convince people, you know, with cutting sarcasm occasionally. You know, oh, hey, you really need to make the, well, I mean, you can make the other choice if you want to, you know, burn in hell. That's cool, too. <clears throat> anyway. I don't want to make this about me. This whole, the whole point is actually about the joy of what it means to be a guy. Particularly a Catholic guy. Everybody talks about, oh, it's toxic masculinity. What's up with the trad? What's up with the trads trying to reclaim masculinity? Please. I ain't got to reclaim anything. I really don't. I just want to see men be men and women be women. And there's a wide array of... I mean, let's be real for just a minute. The Blessed Virgin Mary is perfect in every way. We, we know this. If you're, Catholic, if you're Catholic, if you're traditional Catholic especially, if you're Orthodox, you, like, you, you, you kind of get this. You know, perfection on earth, right? And if I'm being a little sloppy here, follow me because it's not about the Blessed Mother. But you look at, like, say, Judith from scripture. How did she do her thing? Oh, she used her feminine wiles. She lured a dude, fed him, what, what was it, goat's milk? And then when he passed out because it was hot and you don't drink milk on a hot day necessarily, she shoved a big old spike right through the top of his dome. Killed him. Or Esther. Used her feminine wiles again. Talked to the king. Be like, yo, this dude's being a schmutz. What happens? Dude's like, well, gonna have to, gonna have to punish you for this, there, boss. Maybe you should lay off a of Malachi, you know? Or Jezebel. Ooh, it's oh, he said controversial. <clears throat> if you followed this podcast for any length of time, then you've heard me say before that all of the named women in Scripture were women that God appreciated. He may not have dug the whole, you know, paganism, idol worship thing of Jezebel. But Jezebel was, if, I mean, she wasn't, she wasn't, Isra she wasn't an Israelite. She was a foreigner. Wife, the foreign wife of, of King Ahab. Okay? Ahab, Jewish king. She was a foreigner, but she was a patriot. She painted herself up in all of her womanly attire, and she went to war. I mean, yeah, she went to war against Elijah, so of course that was going to go the wrong way. <clears throat> but she's named. She's not one of the ones, and the wife of so-and-so, and the sister of who's it what's. All of the named women in sacred scripture are named because they're women, like powerful, effective, feminine women. And the scuzzy ones, you know, they were the wife of so-and-so or the sister of so-and-so. 
or the daughter of whoever. It is what it is. Or if you're trying to be made an example of, like Moab. <laughs> but that's... That's what I appreciate seeing. My favorite actresses are powerful women. Like, when they portray woman, woman on screen... It's not some butch broad who's trying to be a dude. Well, there was one case in that one. Um, but even the... I mean, you know, the movie, it was a good story, but whatever. The uh, it, was act, it was at least a good story. I, the actress was forgettable. Who played Galadriel in The Lord of the Rings? You're going to tell me Galadriel was, you know, just some broad? That's what I mean. Powerful women. And likewise. Well, with men, you can be powerful. That's cool. But it, in entertainment, it's more about how they attain it. What did they do to get there? What did they suffer? What did they sacrifice? Those are the best stories. What did you suffer to get where you're at? What did you sacrifice? What did you lose? How did you make your choice? You look at the early Marvel movies, it's the reason why they were good. Tony Stark, redemption story. Doctor Strange, redemption story. Thor, at least the first one, coming of age story. It's kind of funny. Spider-Man. Again, coming of age. All of the better stories. All of the better stories. They're not about the men, the, the dude being the badass. They're about the dude becoming the badass. What did you do to get there? What did you sacrifice? What did you lose? Why was it worth it? Was it worth it? What made you turn back? Those are the things that make good storytelling. Those are the things like the quintessential elements of humanity. And I suppose that's really the bottom line of this podcast. Watching Shia LaBeouf in his interview with Baron reminded me what all of the things I love about humanity. The things that make humanity just awesome to behold. And I know it's weird to say that especially being a Catholic, but let's be real. God looked at mankind and said, well, he looked at everything he created and he said it was very good. And occasionally, very occasionally, you get to see it. Occasionally, you get to see the glimpse. Most of the time, we're dirt, we're trash, we're garbage. We're, as, we're about as useful as a bloody tampon. But sometimes... It's brilliant. Sometimes you look and you just go, wow, God really did know what he was doing. Like, he absolutely knew. He knew. You could totally see. This was his doing right here. That's what makes it all worth it. That's what we see. That's what we're looking for. 
it bugs me that so many people want to take that away. Is life suffering? Yeah, most of the time. Is it harsh? Yes. Can it be implacable? Yes. It's kind of where we're supposed to come in and kind of soften it up and make it easier for our fellow man. But, you know, some of us forget that, and so we drive on. But every so often, you just stop, you look, and you go, wow, this is totally worth it. You can kind of stop and glimpse, and you can see what Christ sees in the rest of us. You can see what God sees. Like, occasionally, you look and you go, that's what he sees. That's why he did it right there. He did it so this guy, so this kid, could look at this old fuddy-duddy and tell him what for in the most low-key, shade-throwing sort of senses. He didn't overtly say, look, dude, your mass is trash. Let's be real. He looked at him and he said, look, I came up in all of that. But this... This is real. This is transcendent. And there's really nothing that you're going to say to try and spin it, to twist it, that's going to make me change my mind about the importance of this beautiful thing right here. This one thing that mankind can make mistakes when they're doing, but they never can screw it up except to change it. And as long as they follow the rubrics and they do the thing, they do the red and say the black, or vice versa. I don't know. I've never read a missile. I don't know what color everything's printed in. I don't... It doesn't really matter. I'm not a priest. I'm a mechanic. If it's written in red in my book, you definitely pay attention to that. Because that's the thing that's going to blow you up. And then just follow everything it says in black. Ultimately, you do every... Ultimately, whether it's written in black or red in the books I use, you follow them all. <clears throat> anyway. I digress. If we do the thing, and we do it with our heart, we do it with, 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 all of, with all of the passion in us, it doesn't have to be big and emotive, but we just do it with the full consent of our will. We do this thing, and God shows up on earth, and he's here with us, and he rests in us. And somehow you're just not going to get that from Kumbaya and on Eagle's Wings. I hope you guys know on Eagle's Wings. I don't even know the song. Like, I literally, I just sort of literally beeline, like, I sort of glanced briefly in, in when I was coming back to the faith. It was very, it was a very short stint in Novus Ordoverse. And really, really quickly into, into Traddom. So I don't actually know some of these famously bad songs in the Novus Ordo. And I'm okay with that, because I can do without. I'll take Ave Maristella any day. Anyway, wow. Been more than an hour been babbling on about this stuff. <laughs> I hope you kind of got the idea. I'd, honestly, I hope this was... <clears throat> I hope this was more than just the, you know the painful news crap that we have to put in, put up with in day in and day out. 
hope it was something to think about. In fact, if it was, you can email the show. Caleb at Radio... Well, I say email the show. You're emailing me. Caleb at RadioFreeCatholic.com You can hit me up on SP3RN.com at Caleb the Mechanic. You can find me on Twitter, direct message at Mighty Colibri. You can show up to the website, RadioFreeCatholic.com And there's a thing in there you can actually... Uh, you can hit the little subscribe thing or you can contact me via email using the website. <clears throat> however, however you want to do it, I'd be happy to hear from you. In the meantime, pray for the church. Pray for the nation. I spent the whole week talking about dark things that are coming. They're still coming. And pray for the church. Pray for the nation. And maybe take some time out. Take some time out to ask God to remind you of something particularly beautiful that maybe you didn't think was so beautiful before. I think that'll help through this next week. This is Caleb the Mechanic with Radio Free Catholic. May God bless you and the Virgin protect you. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.